Lookout! Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Home Recording MadeEasy.com podcast. I'm your humble host, David Vignola. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to this episode. This week is episode 41 and we are going to talk about some good home studio maintenance habits. I'm going to give you six things that you really ought to consider doing if you're not doing already in your home studio to keep your studio running efficiently, trouble-free, and frustration-free to make sure you get the most out of the time that you spend in your home studio. So we're going to talk about some housekeeping and some maintenance things that you can do in the home studio if you're not already doing them. So sit back, relax, get yourself a cool drink, and let's talk about it right here on the Home Recording Made Easy.com podcast. Okay, welcome everybody to another episode here at the Home Recording Made Easy.com podcast. I'm your humble host, David Vignola. This is episode number 41. And this week is something that we have not really touched on at all since the beginning of this podcast. And this is the title that I'm using is the is good home studio maintenance habits. Or something to that effect. I'm not sure what exactly what you'll see as the title, but that's the working title. Good home studio maintenance habits. And you may say, well, what does that all that really mean? Well, we all have a limited amount of times that we have to spend in our home studio, right? We all have responsibilities in life. We all work and have families and other responsibilities in life. And I know that a lot of you, as well as myself, even who's someone who does this for a living, has limited time that they can spend in their studio. When you're in that studio, you want to be the most productive. You want to, you don't want to be um, bogged down with things that don't work properly, things that are, you know, troubleshooting things, whether it's computers and otherwise. And you want to just get to making music and you want to maximize your time in your home studio to get the most out of it. So it's a great, fun place to be and you're not bogged down with headaches and things that don't work properly. And a lot of that has to do with whether or not you maintain your studio and all the equipment in it. So we're going to talk about that today. I'm going to give you six things that I would recommend that you do. And there's probably a lot, many other items that I can mention as well. And maybe we'll do that in a part two. So Item number one, and or things that you should have to help you in your studio, is you ought to test all of your cabling, buy yourself a cable tester, and periodically, maybe once a year, you should be going through all of your cables and testing them. Cables, depending on what kind of cables you buy, and we've talked about this in other episodes, about you know trying to buy the best quality cables that your budget can afford. Do not buy the cheapest bottom of the barrel cables on amazon.com because those are going to be noisy. They're not going to be very durable. They will physically work, but the more cabling that you have in your studio, hooking up all your equipment and all your instruments and such. And as you know, if you have a home studio, the one thing that's a nightmare, it's cables. You want to have good quality cables, cables that will last you a long time. I always recommend Mohami, Mohami, Mogami Gold or Monster Cables, but there's other brands but you want a good quality cable, okay? But you also want to test those cables depending on, you know, how much you use them and if they're guitar cables, you know, quarter-inch cables tend to be the ones that I see fail the first, you know, the, 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 the fastest, I guess, because if you're always plugging them in and out of guitar amplifiers and guitars and basses and those things, they get a lot, of, uh, a lot more hands-on use as opposed to, say, a patch cable that's patching, say, one of your, your audio interface to your computer. That you're not taking in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out, and therefore... You know, it's not going to be as, um, you know, it's not going to have as much stress put on it. But you should have yourself a little cable tester. 
you could buy one of those at Sweetwater for 50 bucks. Just search Sweetwater.com. Again, the link will be in the show notes below. Um, and you can get yourself a cable tester. And once a year, you should go through your cables. And you can get one of these cable testers that are that have that'll um, that'll test multiple types of cables: TRS cables, TS cables, XLR cables. They also um, have stuff for like SPDIF cables, and uh, you know even uh, testing things like Thunderbolt cables and some computer cabling and such. You ought to have a cable tester. There's nothing worse than coming into your home studio having an idea, wanting to get recording, and you go to record and either you hear some buzzing or something doesn't sound right or the, you can't get signal into your DAW or whatever because you have a bad cable. That could really you know, kill the vibe of any recording session. So testing your cables on a regular basis, and again, how often you do it, I do it like once a year. But if you're someone, again, you know, that travels with your cables, you go out gigging with a lot of cables and that kind of a thing. And you're constantly plugging and unplugging cables from different pieces of equipment. You may want to do it every six months. But a good cable tester is an essential tool and a really good maintenance thing that you want to think about uh, in your home studio. So that's tip number one. Tip number two, if you have a bunch of hardware and external gear, preamps, compressors, even on your audio interface, anything that you have physical gear, you know, maybe a, um, a DAW controller, a control surface, you want to exercise all the gear knobs, the switches, at least once a year. So there might be pieces of gear in your studio where you don't use it all the time. Maybe sometimes you haven't used it in months, but it's patched in, it's hooked up, it's ready to go, but it's not something you use all the time. It's a good habit that once a year you go through and you just, you know, physically put your hands on the knobs, twist the knobs back and forth, get any dust or stuff out of them, make sure they're not scratchy. Anything that has like little switches, flip the switches up and down a bunch of times, exercise the switches. Because when you don't move a switch or a potentiometer over time, it can get corroded, things can happen. And then when you go to use it, you hear all kinds of static and scratchiness. You may also want to have yourself a can of electronic uh, spray cleaner like Detoxit or something where you can shoot a couple of couple of drops behind the switch or the knob that might be giving you a scratchy sound and you'll be able to work it out. But that's a good thing to do. Guitar amplifiers, same thing. If you don't have amps and stuff that you use all the time, again, turning all the knobs, flipping all the switches, those kinds of things is always something that's a really uh, good idea because, again, it's nothing worse than sitting down and getting ready to record or something and you got, you know, you go to turn your pots and it's all scratchy and staticky because you haven't used the piece of gear in a year. Okay, so exercising all the gear knobs and switches. Okay, tip number three do regular housekeeping on your computer. Now, this is a big one, and this one I would be doing more than once a year. I'd be looking to do this on some level every quarter, every few months, especially if you do lots of recording work, session work, mixing work, and you're constantly creating new sessions and sending files and such. You wanna do things like move old recording sessions and projects to maybe an external hard drive so you don't bog down the hard drive on your computer. Another thing that I know a lot of you aren't gonna like, but I'm gonna say it, Maybe you want to go through and delete some old plugins that you never use. <gasps> what? Are you crazy? Are you one of those guys that opens up your browser in your uh, in your DAW and look at your plugin list and it's got 4,000 plugins, right? And 3,789 of them you never use? <laughs> or you tried them out and you didn't like them? Or you demoed them and the demo uh, period has expired, but the plugin still resides on your computer. It takes up some valuable space. Not a lot of hard drive space, but just good housekeeping. 
Get rid of the stuff that you don't use. Do a plug-in purge every once in a while. Plug-in purge is a good thing. Plug-in purge can be your friend. That's another computer housekeeping task. If you're on a PC, you want to make sure you defrag your internal hard drive every so often. Defrag will help um, without getting too technical. Will help you know get rid of any, get rid of any of the duplicate files, trash files. Kind of to speed up your computer. Kind of give your computer and your drive a little bit of a tune-up, if you will. And that's free. I think Windows has an internal program that you can defrag for free. And I'm sure there's other um, paid uh, software applications that may even do a more thorough job. On a Mac, um, I use the application Clean My Mac, which costs me, I don't know, I think you can buy, I think I have a five license family plan for all the computers in my house, including my wife's and my daughter's. And I think I pay $89 a year and I could put it up onto five computers. And I actually run the Clean My Mac or the defrag equivalent on a PC every couple of weeks. Whether I think it needs it or not, I just do it, you know, and a lot of these things you can also set up automatic, um, you know, setup so it'll automatically just run in the background in the middle of the night or something and, and keep your hard drive and your computer running at its most optimal. Okay, those are just a few things and there's others, right, but those are just a few things. Another thing that you can do physically with the computer, especially if you have like a tower, like a PC tower, or even now the new Mac Pro tower, they all have internal fans and such. Every so often, if you can open up the back of that computer or pull the cover off and get yourself some compressed air in a can and blow all the dust out of the fans and off the circuit board, that's always a good thing as well. The number one enemy to a computer is heat. And when you have a lot of dust and things clogging up or clogging up the air ventilation system and whatnot, your computer can overheat and that could cause some more longer term problems. So physically cleaning out the computer, getting rid of all the dust bunnies and those kinds of things is really helpful uh, as well. So there's five things you can do to your computer. Okay, move all your old sessions to an external drive, go through all your old unused plugins and VST instruments and get rid of those if you're not gonna use them free up some space and do some defragging on a PC or clean my Mac and then clean all the dust bunnies um, um, out of your computer. That'll be helpful. Okay. Tip number four is uh, check all your microphones, you know, especially if you have lots of microphones and maybe some, you know, more expensive microphones, tube microphones, um, large diaphragm condenser microphones, make sure you have there, you know, you don't have any noise problems that they have proper operation. And in if that, you know, you don't use my, the same microphone all the time. It's good every now and again to plug them in, check them out, make sure they're working, make sure there's no uh, maintenance issues. You know, if you have high-end microphones, you want to make sure you store them in, in the proper way. The manufacturer will give you tips on how to properly store microphones you know, where you want to be careful of the capsules. I mean, again, when you buy an SM57, hell, you can almost put that in a bowl of water and it'll pull it out and it'll still work. But high-end large diaphragm condenser microphones that cost a lot of money are fragile items. They're fragile items and you don't want them just laying around the studio. You want to make sure you store them properly in the in the packaging, in the, in the case or the padding that it came in. And you want to store it in a more of a controlled temperature environment if at all possible. And you want to check and make sure that it's working trouble-free. Okay, so that's another thing is to check microphones regularly. Tip number five, here's another big one, basic instrument maintenance. You know, if you do a lot of recording or if you have a studio that you bring clients into and they get to use, you know, the instruments and the things that you have at your facility, you know, if that's part of your thing where people could come in and use some of the equipment, you want to make sure that your, all your guitars that are available are set up properly, that have a fresh set of strings that are tuned 
right? That everything is adjusted so it plays at its best, making sure that the pickups aren't noisy and that the pots aren't all scratchy like we talked about with the gear. You want to make sure if you have a drum kit that you have fairly new drum heads on them and that they're always in tune, right? So again, when you're ready to sit down and record, you don't have to, you know, mess around with equipment problems. Make sure you have good quality drum heads. They're not all beat to the, to, you know, beat into the, to the last seconds of their life and make sure that they're tuned. That's important. On drums, also the snare strainers, you know, the little snares on the bottom of the snare drum, make sure that those are in good working order and they're not all worn out. That's another thing you want to check. People forget about that. Guitar amplifiers, if you have tube amps, making sure the tubes are in good working order, making sure that, you know, you do maintenance on those things, that the amps are properly biased on somewhat of a regular basis. Again, this is not something you have to do every three months, but something you should go through once a year and check all those things out. So when you plug in that guitar amp, you know that you're going to get the best tone out of the amp as you possibly can. So, and any other, you know, instrumentation or things that you have around your studio, making sure that all the instruments themselves are in top working order. So whether you're recording yourself or recording a client or both, that you have things that are going to work every time when you pick them up and they're going to sound and perform at their best. Okay. Tip number six, last on the list, but certainly not the last, you know, this is no, in no particular order, but certainly as important as everything else that we just talked about this episode is you should thoroughly clean your studio. Yeah, I said it. Thoroughly clean your studio. You know how many times I've walked into a commercial facility? Now, if you're in your home studio and you're the only one recording there and you like being a slob, I guess that's on you. But I don't think that's a good idea from a creative standpoint. But I've been in commercial places that are absolute pigsties where you walk in and there's there's dust everywhere. There's crap all over the floor. You can't find anything. It looks like a bomb went off in the place. I've walked in places where they expect people to come in and pay money to work in an environment like that. I don't know how any someone, I don't know how any creative person from an artist's perspective would want to come in and work in a place like that. But I've seen facilities do that. Some of those facilities are no longer in business. Gee, I wonder why. You know, you don't want clients walking into your studio and, you know, they, their first impression is what a slob, <laughs> you know. But if this is your own home studio, and you're just working yourself. I guess you can have you could be a little bit more lax with that. But again, I would say regularly dust your studio. Make sure all your surfaces are clean. Gear does not like dust in it. We talked about the computer doesn't like to have dust in it. Well, neither does electronic gear. Having an inch of dust on your on, on all your equipment is not and if you know, it's just not a it's not a good way to work. You know, clean the studio. You know, vacuum the carpets once in a while. Oh my goodness, what are you crazy, Dave? <laughs> That's what you're saying. You know, here's another one. Vacuum the carpet. Hey, how about a couple of times a year having all the carpet steam cleaned? <gasps> what? What are you, crazy? What am I, a housekeeper, Dave? Or am I a musician and an engineer making music here, man? I don't got time for that. Yes, you do. You have time for that. You know, do it. Keep the studio clean. Right? Keep it clean. Keep it well organized. It's about efficiency, right? We talked at the top of this episode about not having the time, a lot of time, not as much time as we'd all like, right? We're not all independently wealthy and could spend all our time in our studio not worrying about making money and just having fun. Well, that doesn't happen for 99.999% of the people that are listening to this episode. I can guarantee you that, and I am included in that. So while we're in our studio, we want to maximize our efforts 
and we want to be able to get things done quickly, have fun, and have trouble-free fun in our studio. So keeping your studio clean and keeping it well-organized where you can find things easily and you can get up and running and recording very, very quickly is hugely important to being efficient in your studio. So keeping the studio clean and organized and keeping it you know, free of dust all over the place is just another good habit to get into. It's a good habit to get into, whether, especially if you're, you know, whether you're just uh, working by yourself and it's a home studio, but especially if you're ever going to, if you're someone that's bringing in clients or a local band or an artist, man, it says a lot. When I walk into somebody's studio and I see the way it's kept, it instantly gives me an impression on, well, what kind of work can that person turn out? right? Are they good at what they do? Are they good? You know, again, it says a lot. And I know it's like judging a book by its cover to some degree, but you know what? People that are not well-organized, people that are slobs don't have the best work habits. Now I go, I know there's exceptions to that. I know I'm sure there's genius engineers and, and, uh, you know, recording engineers and mixing engineers and such that are slobs. I'm sure there are, but I would say, you know, if it kind of says a lot about the way you work, the way you think about work, how efficient you are at your work, the way you keep your workspace. That is true, not just in the, in the music world, but in any world, office and everything else, in the, in the, in the professional world, in the corporate world, <clears throat> that was the same thing. I, I learned that back in my days of working at Corporate America many years ago, and they were really big on making sure that your office space was clean or your cubicle was clean. And the people that didn't have clean, well-organized offices and cubicles were usually the people in the company that had reputations of not being people who can get things done on time, not being people that were, you know, clutch hitters. When you needed a problem, when you had a problem, you needed someone to carry the ball all the, over the finish line or fix the problem. Those weren't the people, typically. They weren't highly effective and they weren't highly efficient. That was the pattern that I saw over and over again in the corporate world, and I guarantee you it transfers right into the music world, that if you don't have a well-organized workspace and you don't have a process and you don't take pride in the way your studio space looks, you may not be one of the people that turn out really great quality work. Now, I'm sure, like I said, there's exceptions to that, but I would be willing to bet that 80% of the time I'm right in that statement. So clean your studio. Okay, so in summary, we had six issues, six issues, six tips. Number one, test your equipment, test, I mean, excuse me, test your cables, make sure you have a good cable tester. Number two, make sure that you exercise all of the gears, hardware, knobs, and switches at least once a year, extra guitar amps and all that stuff. Do regular housekeeping on your computer. Tip number three, make sure you're cleaning off old session files, maybe backing them up on external drives. Delete any of those unused VSTs and plugins that's bogging up your computer. And make sure you defrag or clean your hard drive or use, you know, uh, those kinds of tools to make sure that your 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 computer is working in its most in its tip-top optimal form because it is so important. Okay, make sure you're checking your microphones to make sure that they're working properly, especially if you have high end microphones, tube microphones and those kinds of things. And also make sure you're storing them properly so they're always working at their top performance. And then make sure you do basic instrument maintenance, guitar setups, drum heads, all those kinds of things, tube amps, make sure that all those things are working well. Right. And then lastly, and certainly not least in our most favorite thing. Make sure you clean your studio. Don't be a slob. Pick up after yourself. Even if nobody comes to your studio, you'll feel much better when you walk in that room. However often you get the opportunity to walk into your studio, if everything is clean and neat and well organized and that you can sit down with that creative idea and in less than five minutes be recording to your 
Studios uh, DAW, and the only way you're going to get there is by doing everything that I'm talking about in this episode to help keep things efficient and streamlined. Okay, so I hope some of those tips helped you. I'm sure I have more that I could talk to you about. We'll do that in a part two. But thank you so much for listening to this podcast episode. And like I said at the beginning, I want to give you a couple of free gifts. If this is your first time here, I want you to go to homerecordingmadeeasy.com and I want to give you a $50 free mixing course. Yes, I do. I want to give you a free course worth 50 bucks, no strings attached. It's my gift to you just for visiting homerecordingmadeeasy.com. And if you take that course and you say, you know what, I really like Dave's teaching style. Dave's a great way to learn. I love his course. This is a great course. I'd like to try some of his other trade, uh, his other training courses that are paid courses. If you want to try one of those, I want to give you a 30% discount. So you can try that as well. If you use the coupon code podcast30 at checkout, it'll take 30% off any one of the other training courses on my website. And all the information is in the links below in the show notes, or if you're listening to this on YouTube in the description box below. So make sure you like, share, subscribe, give me a five-star review. If you enjoy this podcast and it is helping you in some way, I really do appreciate it. And until next week episode, I've been Dave with HomeRecordingMadeEasy.com and MixingMadeEasy.net. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day to spend it with me. I hope these tips were helpful and I'll talk to you next week. Take care, everybody. Take care, everybody.